Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series with P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Exodus chapter 21. Verses 1 to 11, Laws Concerning Servants. Following the giving of the Ten Commandments heard by all the people, God now speaks to Moses alone, enlarging on the Decalogue, showing what it looks like day by day. It's a combination of case law, which is a, has an if-then format, as well as some direct commands. He calls them the judgments you shall set before them. He begins with laws concerning servants, both Hebrew and foreign. Hebrew servants can serve no longer than six years for a fellow Hebrew. In the seventh year, they are required to be set free from servanthood and leave without having to pay anything. If he was single when he entered service, he would leave that way. If he entered the home married, his wife can leave with him. If he was given a wife by the master, then the wife and children remain the masters, but he can leave by himself. This would likely be a case where he would choose to stay. This is the provision for such a case. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the, of the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. Such a scenario would be instigated by the desire of the servant himself. It would be made official and there would be a hole in his earlobe to mark this. For female servants, provision was made so that she would not be left destitute by the wrongful actions of her master. If his son marries her, she is to be treated as any other woman, so she wouldn't be defrauded in any way simply because she was a servant. He was to provide food, clothing, and marriage rights. If he failed to do these things for her, she was allowed to go free without paying anything. A word about slavery from C.H. Spurgeon. The slavery which existed among the ancient Jews was a very different thing from that which has disgraced humanity in modern times. The slave then was quite free to leave his master's house and go whither he pleased. But it seems that the servitude was so exceedingly light, and indeed was so much for the benefit of the person in it, that frequently he would not go free. They preferred to continue as they were, servants to their masters. Also note that this same chapter condemns kidnapping for the purpose of selling the purpose person into slavery. The transatlantic slave trade was an example of such a type of kidnapping. Verses 12 to 27, Laws Concerning Violence Murder brought the death penalty. Provision was made for involuntary manslaughter, with a hint about the cities of refuge God would later provide. These cities could not harbor those guilty of premeditated murder. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately, that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death. This is also the basis for not killing someone in the tabernacle or temple. Based on the fifth commandment about honoring father and mother, God says that anyone who strikes either of his parents is to be put to death. Physical abuse is inconsistent with love and honor of parents. Likewise, disrespect by verbal abuse, such as cursing, carried the same penalty. Other ancient law codes, like the Code of Hammurabi, also respected parental authority and prescribed severe consequences as well, though not the death penalty. 
We're not told elsewhere in scripture if such a punishment was ever required. Based on the eighth commandment against stealing, God says, anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. This is reinforced in Deuteronomy 24-7. If someone is caught kidnapping a fellow Israelite and treating or selling them as a slave, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from among you. Stealing and then selling people as slaves indicates the only time the death penalty is imposed for theft, except for the death of a thief at the scene of the crime. This again relates back to the supreme value of people over possessions. For physical fights that result in prolonged injury, resulting in the victim being required to walk with a cane, the aggressor is to be acquitted, but he must pay for the injured person's lost time at work and provide for him until he is thoroughly healed. No personal injury lawyers were required. <clears throat> Beating a servant with a rod resulting in their death would bring punishment. Slave owners were allowed to punish their slaves but did not allow for violence. Judges would decide on the appropriate punishment of the slave owner in such cases. If the slave did not die right away, the loss of the slave was considered punishment enough. It was assumed there was no intent to murder. However, if there is permanent injury to the servant, such as the loss of an eye or a tooth, then the slave is entitled to his freedom. This limited the powers of the slave owners, unheard of in the ancient world. Job, who predates this time period, understood the need to treat his servants justly, the basis of which was their humanity under a common creator. He says, If I have denied justice to any of my servants, whether male or female, when they had a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us, both within our mothers? While they couldn't imagine such violence as abortion, which is the intentional killing of a child inside the womb of its mother, provision was made for a pregnant woman who was injured when men fought. If she gave birth prematurely, but the child survived, the punishment would be imposed by the woman's husband as he deemed fit, overseen by judges. This prevented the damages being awarded based on personal vengeance. Also notice she is called a woman with child, not a woman with a clump of cells, as is said today to try to erase the humanity of the baby. But if harm did come to the child, either injury or death, then you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. This showed that the principle of retaliation matched but did not exceed the damage done to the victim. Yet, it demonstrated the value of their life, even a preborn life. Someone would be held accountable for its death or injury. More can be said about the issue of abortion and the sanctity of life, which begins at conception. We will deal with those verses as we come to them in our study. Verses 28 to 36, Laws Concerning Animals. In this section, we see animal owners were held responsible for death or injury caused by their animals. First, if an ox gored a man or woman to death, the animal was to be stoned, but its flesh was not to be eaten. The owner of the ox would be acquitted, since it was not his intention for this to happen. 
But if past behavior of the animal indicated such aggressive behavior and he has failed to keep it confined in order to prevent such an event incident, then the ox will again be stoned, but now the owner will also be put to death. He has been negligent and caused someone's death. Such a crime must be answered. In this case, he could escape the death penalty by paying a fine imposed on him by a judge. This would prevent personal vengeance as a motive in such, case, in such cases. This judgment applied equally to men, women, sons, or daughters. However, if the victim was a slave, then the owner of the animal must pay 30 shekels or pieces of silver, and the ox was again to be stoned. Likewise, if a person digs a pit without covering it and some animal falls into it, he is to pay money to the owner of the animal, but he is allowed to keep the animal. If there was injury from animal to animal and one dies, then they are to sell the live animal and divide the proceeds between the two owners, since they have now both lost an animal, and this way they at least have the value of half an animal. They can also divide the meat from the dead animal among themselves. But if the aggressor animal has a history of aggressive behavior and the owner has been negligent in keeping it confined, <clears throat> then he must provide a replacement ox to the owner of the dead animal and he will keep the dead animal for meat. Leviticus 19, 17-22 repeats this, showing the supreme value of people over animals. Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution, life for life. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution, but whoever kills a human being is to be put to death. You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native-born. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 19.21 also says, Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. While these judicial laws no longer bind our society specifically, there are principles that carry over. We are not to treat servants as lesser human beings. We are to be responsible with our possessions, such as animals, so as not to cause injury to others, either directly or indirectly. We are to treat people with dignity and allow them freedom to cease from serving us. We are not to kidnap people. We are to respect our parents and refrain from physical or verbal abuse of them. We are not to murder people. We should recognize the humanity and value of a child in the womb and take care not to harm a pregnant woman. If injury is caused by us, we must pay for the person's recovery and lost wages. If we have done wrong, we must be willing to make it right. Punishments should fit the crime and not be motivated by personal vengeance. God holds people accountable for their actions. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints about Jesus or the Gospel do we find in this chapter? Slaves were to be set free in the seventh year. Jesus sets us free. We are redeemed. Servants who loved their master could make a lifelong commitment to serve them. Likewise, because we love Jesus, we make a lifelong commitment to serve him. Murder was condemned and carried the death penalty in the Old Covenant. The same applied in the New Covenant. Slave owners were allowed to punish their slaves, 
in the new covenant, people were to treat their servants fairly and gently, recognizing they also had a master in heaven to whom they would answer. The life of all people, born and preborn, had value. The price of a slave who died was 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, which was prophesied by Zechariah. Jesus, as the lawgiver, took this concept of retaliation and changed it so that we would avoid personal vengeance and rather accept insults and persecution. People misunderstood this. It was originally intended for civil matters to provide restitution and justice, but they soon saw it as a license for personal revenge. Now, criminals will be punished, but rarely are required to provide restitution, so the victims remain uncompensated. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Exodus chapter 22. May God bless the study of his word.